Welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you as always. And in today's show, I'll be previewing the rookie quarterbacks for fantasy football in 2023 and beyond. The next few weeks on this show, as we did last year, we'll have more of a dynasty fantasy football focus. I'll be thinking about these guys not only for redraft next year, but for your dynasty rookie drafts. If you play in dynasty leagues, fantastic. These shows are for you. If not, these shows are still for you, and you can learn a little bit about Dynasty while getting some redraft insight as well. But basically, for those who aren't familiar, before we even jump into the show, there's two main types of fantasy leagues. The first, of course, is the one most of you play in called Redraft Leagues, where you draft a new team every year. Dynasty Leagues are where you keep the same team year-round. You have one startup draft where you draft every player already available through like 26 or so rounds. There's usually a lot of bench spots. And then every year you get a three or four round rookie draft where the rookies come in and you draft them and you can play in all kinds of formats. You can play super flex in this format as you can in any format where you have two quarterbacks. You can have the ability to flex a quarterback in your flex position, or you can play tight end premium where tight ends get more points than normal, or you can just play standard one QB leagues, which will devalue QBs a lot, but still having a long-term quarterback stable in your starting spot in dynasty can be very beneficial even in one quarterback leagues so all of these episodes are going to be really important but i'll be looking at this from a qb lens i'm not going to have my official fantasy rankings of this these qbs yet because there's really no point first of all because i'm not going to claim to sit here and be the next kurt warner in terms of film watching you could get better film analysis than what i can provide here on kurt warner's film room because he's a former nfl qb who knows a ton about watching film so that's not like my thing here but as someone who has watched college football this year and someone who considers themselves a fantasy expert who's doing a podcast about fantasy football, I can give you guys insight on those landing spots and those potential landing spots for these QBs. So I'll talk about that somewhat for today, especially for the quarterbacks where we know where they're going to land. And in terms of fantasy value, that's where I feel like you can come to this podcast and get this extra edge because that's how you can find out. If you're not too familiar with these rookies coming into the league, I'll give you the lowdown on everybody you need to know. And I'll also, I mean, I'll tell you all of the stuff they have on film, their traits, all of that. But the main deep dive will be in potential landing spots and potential fantasy value, because we know as a fantasy podcast, that's what I'm looking to offer. So again, if you're looking to get in here and like come out of this podcast, knowing exactly the differences between like, uh, like exactly the progressions that like will Levis, for example, goes through on every single play at Kentucky. Nobody knows that except offensive coordinators and former QBs and guys. There's also only a select few people in the world who can study film to that kind of degree and be accurate and all of that. I'm not here to provide an evaluation that an NFL team would use, but I am here to help you guys figure out their specific traits and how they translate into fantasy value. So these episodes should be useful, especially for Dynasty. Dynasty fantasy football is a lot of fun. I recommend you guys try it out. And I like focusing a month or so of the offseason on Dynasty. After the draft, once the landing spots are settled, I'll give my Dynasty rookie rankings. Those are fun. And I'll probably post them on Twitter too just to get some reactions. And most of the time, when you post rankings on Twitter, the reactions are just like 90%. These are terrible. And the other 10% is like, disagreeing with one of your picks in particular but i'll still post it anyway because we want those interactions it's always great to have but thank you all for tuning into the show be sure to follow me on twitter at calvin underscore sgf for any updates about the show i apologize that it's coming out late once again and my schedule is just so stacked up that's why i need to follow at sgf pod to find out if a show is being delayed i don't intend on doing that often but sometimes it has to happen because i have a lot to do 
unfortunately. At SGF Pod for the podcast, second goal fantasy gmail.com. You can send your fantasy questions there as well. Let's jump in. We're going to talk mostly about these top five quarterbacks. And then there's a couple others I think we can mention for fantasy. But I'm going off of Fox Sports' rankings here. I'm going to read them in order of that because I'm not, again, I don't have official rankings as of yet. After the draft, once the landing spots are all settled, I will evaluate those combined with the player and come up with my specific rankings based on landing spot. But there's no point in doing pre-draft rankings of QBs or of any position anyway, because it, you come out of the draft and it all becomes completely different. And draft capital plays a huge part in that too, because how NFL teams view a prospect is often the most accurate indicator of how that prospect does in the league. So you can talk about metrics all you want. Draft capital is the big metric. NFL teams are smart. We know that. So let's go into the quarterback one with that being said, and I will keep in mind as well the NFL draft order for this because the top two QBs are likely to go in the top two picks. One of them is going to go to the Carolina Panthers and one of them is going to go to the Houston Texans. And in my opinion, the order will be CJ Stroud to the Carolina Panthers and Bryce Young to the Houston Texans. But let's talk about Bryce Young first because he's number one on this list. And I'll go through this as if you guys don't know anything about college football because I know a lot of people focus only on NFL. Bryce Young, he's a quarterback from Alabama, one of the best teams, of course, in college football, six foot, 194 pound junior, a guy who was coming into the league. And I think if you really followed fantasy football and college football last year, you probably noticed that the draft class was pretty weak for quarterbacks. There weren't really many guys that were great. Just one guy went in the first two rounds, and that was Kenny Pickett. That's not the case this year, especially at the top. I would say both Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are clearly better prospects than any of the quarterbacks we had last year. So that's a start. So if you're a little wary of rookie QBs, keep that in mind. He was the Heisman Trophy winner in 2021. His six-foot height is going to be somewhat of a concern, and we're certainly going to talk about that. And there's definitely been jokes made about Bryce Young adding extra size to his his soles and his shoes so that he can stand up taller. But he is an all-time historic quarterback at Alabama, and he really, I mean, racked up a ton of stats, brought the Crimson Tide to some big wins, participated in some shootouts, and, of course, had some incredible um, receivers as always, but he's got arm strength. He's got accuracy. He's got the whole package in terms of throwing ability. And he also makes really good decisions. I think that one drawback is really his height, but he seems like really everything you want in a QB. He's humble. He again, makes good decisions, makes good reads. And the problem is again, that people evaluate is, is he too short? And there are guys that have been Bryce Young's height or shorter that have been successful in the NFL. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Kyler Murray are around his height. He's also 194 pounds, though, so there's that weight concern as well. I feel like that's going to end up being overblown, and I think there's a reason why people aren't pressing these narratives too hard. I don't think anybody's really saying that Bryce Young is going to be a bust because of his weight. It feels a lot like the narrative around Devontae Smith last year, which, of course, is a different position at wide receiver. But the thing is, if you can play, you can play. And Bryce Young showed up in the SEC and played and stayed healthy in this SEC. So he's been out there and he's not just going to be some guy who's suddenly going to get hurt. He's played with some big, strong players. Sure, he hasn't played an NFL level just yet, but we know the SEC is the premier football conference in college football at the moment and probably for the future. He's played against some tough defenses that can level some big hits. He will be fine. He is... It feels like the typical prototype for a guy who can jump in there, start on day one, and potentially be really, really good. He also had a great offensive line, so it remains to be seen about sacks. But again, there's nothing to be really concerned about there. It's not like Bryce Young is like a guy prone to taking a ton of sacks. It's just that we haven't really seen it behind a poor offensive line. Obviously, they'll want to support him as best as they can, and I'll definitely keep, take that into account depending on where he lands. 
But Young, other than that, other than his size, seems like a pretty solid quarterback all around, great arm strength, can run a little bit. I mean, he's not like considered a dual threat QB, but he is mobile. He can get out of the pocket and be evasive and has good pocket awareness and mobility as well. So again, I think he's going number two because I think the Panthers are going to be more enamored with CJ Stroud's exceptional ball placement ability, which is probably slightly better than Bryce Young's is. But Bryce Young is definitely going to go in the top two picks and going to be a good QB. He's going to be a very draftable QB for fantasy football next year. If he goes to the Panthers, he will start off and have some weapons with Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, and Hayden Hurst. So I do like that landing spot for him a lot. For the Texans, though, not so much. They don't really have much other than Robert Woods and Damian Pierce. Bryce Young's really going to have to create a lot of his fantasy value, which makes him pretty risky in year one. But I do like that Panthers landing spot, potentially. He'll have a lot of guys to throw to and potentially have a half-decent offense over there. I think whichever one between Young and Stroud lands on the Panthers instead of the Texans will have the better fantasy season next year and is probably the slightly better get in Dynasty. But it's hard to say as of yet until we see where they land. But again, that's where they're probably going to land 1-2. It's going to be a fun year for them for sure. And one last thing I want to correct. This is the common, most common myth I see on fantasy Twitter. Alabama doesn't produce good QBs. Ohio State doesn't produce good QBs. They only have produced backups in the league or guys who have fallen out of the league. Like, look at Ohio State. They produce Dwayne Haskins. They don't produce good QBs. They can't, like, Urban Meyer and Ryan Day are not good QB college coaches. That narrative is absurd. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, and I'll tell you why. Ohio State has produced multiple quarterbacks that went to the NFL. That's more than most schools in college football. Outside of maybe Oklahoma, who produced Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and many other guys like that and consistently were producing Heisman winners, and of course now Jalen Hurts. Name me another QB-generating school that has generated multiple significant QBs in the NFL in the last decade or two. You can't. It doesn't happen. It's so hard. There's only 32 starting jobs in the NFL. There's only 32 successes. And there's over 130 different Division I schools. That doesn't even consider all the Division II schools. It's not like it's very likely for even a top school to have multiple big hits in the NFL, given how many positions can be so vital in college football other than QBs. Sometimes the best schools in the country don't have to have a great QB. Just ask national championship winning Georgia Bulldogs with Stetson Bennett, who's probably going to be a day three pick. You don't have to have the best QB to win in college football because Bryce Young didn't win it all in this year. He certainly didn't. Neither did CJ Stroud. So, I mean, that being the whole point, like it, it's not necessarily these guys, of course, brought their teams to the college football playoff. And um, but it's not like the best quarterback is always going to win it all in college football. And similarly, it's not like just because a school hasn't produced it, you should be evaluating the prospect just because a school has had some prospects who are flawed in the past does not mean that they're going to have that happen in the future. And it, it, it it's I think it's pretty easy to say that Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are some of the best prospects that have even come out of George or have come out of uh, Ohio State and Alabama in these past several years. So it's good to look at them. But rant out of the way, now let's go to CJ Stroud. He's a little bigger, 6'3", 218. This is a guy who was confident in himself. He did really well at combine interviews it seemed, but had a very big completion percentage. But the main thing about him and that goes along with his completion percentage Ball placement ability is superb. That's what he talked about himself as in the combine, and that's what everybody loves. His ability to throw dots, as everybody calls them nowadays, 
the just the laser precision passes that hit his receivers in stride in the hands. That is something that CJ Stroud is better at than any quarterback in this draft. And he does it not just on short throws, but intermediate throws as well. He's also got a good arm, but that's why he had a 69.3% completion percentage rate in college. He can move. He's not, again, like a total dual threat QB. We'll talk about some of those guys later, but he is going to be a gem for whoever gets him. Maybe not quite as a complete a prospect as Bryce Young, but there's not too much to hate on for CJ Stroud. He was, uh, he did sometimes didn't show up in big games, arguably, but he also had some big shootout games in college football playoff performances that he had. Um, some critics will say, like I'm reading on Fox Sports right now, they've questioned some of his mobility to, or, or not ability to run, but willingness to run the football and scramble. I think he has that ability and I think he'll show it in the NFL. And if anything, that's not even a bad thing. Like, I mean, you know, some of these guys can get injured running the ball too much. I don't think there's too many concerns for CJ Stroud. I do think both Bryce Young and CJ Stroud will become successful NFL quarterbacks. They're not like locks like Joe Burrow, but they are very, very good it's going to be fun to watch them wherever they go. Same stuff with Stroud and Young. Whichever team one goes to the Panthers, I think will have better fantasy value. But both of them will help somewhat revive the Panthers and the Texans, and they will look a lot better next year. Now it gets interesting. If you follow college football Twitter and NFL draft Twitter, this is the guy you hear talked about a lot. 6'4", 232. Um, I'm trying to remember his time. What was his time on the 40-yard dash? 446 or 448? I'm going to look it up. Because I'm, I'm, it was it was something very fast, and he was, of course, getting a lot of hype. But it, it was Anthony Richardson. And again, uh, here's something I do want to mention first while I'm mentioning 40 times, is that 40 times as I look and see that Anthony Richardson's time was actually a 4-4-3, 40 times don't matter. And that's not to say that speed doesn't matter, but 40 times don't matter because we see how fast the guys are on the field in college. There's no reason to evaluate a time sprinting in not in pads on some random field at one pro day under all the pressure when we can see how they've already done under all the pressure at game speed. Game speed's what matters because that's going to really determine if a player can truly outrun somebody. If Anthony Richardson's fast, you'll see it on film. And sure, you absolutely do see it on film. He is so fast. I loved watching him at Florida this year. But he it doesn't matter that he ran a 4-4-3 versus like a 4-4-8 or a 4-5-0. It just matters his game speed. And that's what we should really be evaluating. That's what NFL teams should be evaluating. But like I mentioned, he's a dual threat QB. He has an incredible arm. He feels a lot like, I mean, I'm, he's in, in some ways like Malik Willis from last year, but in other ways not. I would say he's more shifty and mobile than even Malik Willis might be. But I mean, he's also incredibly strong too. His frame and his size, you would expect him to be some, somewhat of a smaller dude. No, he's big and he's physical. He can run a lot. He's gotten comps to Cam Newton. And if he can... Play like prime Cam Newton. There's definitely a possibility in his career arc, but he's definitely risky. Coming out of Florida, he definitely had a lot of losses in his college career. Florida wasn't some sort of college powerhouse, even with Anthony Richardson at the helm. Um, he, some people are concerned more about his fundamentals. He's had some, he gets big plays, but sometimes can be inaccurate on short passes, sometimes can be a little bit inconsistent. But overall, he, I mean, he has all the talent and all the tools right there, and he's a very, very intelligent player as well on the football field, and that's easy to see from the incredible plays that he's able to make consistently. So he's probably the third QB off the board, maybe the fourth if you want to say Will Levis is ahead of him, but he's been the guy that's wowing people, and the reason people are going to like him a lot for fantasy is because of that dual threat ability. We know how much it's important for quarterbacks to be able to run the football, have that rushing floor and that rushing explosiveness to get them extra fantasy points. Anthony Richard 
Richardson could be that guy to really not even if he, not even if he's that good through the air, but if he runs for 800 yards or more his rookie year, I mean, he could just be insane for fantasy football, just a cheat code. That's why, depending on the landing spot, he, in, if he gets some weapons, he could be better than Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. And his landing spot potential, it's going to be interesting. There's the Colts at number four as an option. You could talk about looking a little bit more down the board. The Falcons at number eight is an option. And uh, those are those are a couple of places he could land. Maybe the Titans at number 11. There's a lot of different places, and there could always be trades up or down from various NFL teams as well. Looking to go grab him. The Raiders at number seven as well could be a potential option. And uh, all of that, Anthony Richardson will probably be a first-round pick. I assume so will Will Levis. But so these guys are going to be very coveted for sure. Richardson, again, draws comparisons to a guy like Cam Newton, but could also be a bust like Malik Willis was. So he is risky, but he has that rushing upside to be worth drafting in fantasy. Will Levis is interesting out of Kentucky. He's a guy I haven't watched as much of because Kentucky, they were good last year, but they weren't like national championship contenders as well. Comp that they're giving on Fox Sports is Taysom Hill. But he's like, I mean, he's he's kind of that classic guy. He, he reminds you of Tim Tebow a lot because I feel like he, I mean, he's that guy who has those big muscles, those big bulging muscles in that rocket arm. Um, but he's a guy that a lot of people love to hate. And I, I I guess I mean again, I'll admit I have not watched not watched enough film to do a deep dive on him to whether to see whether he's truly like too hateable or makes poor decisions or whatever. But I mean, he gets those Josh Allen and Tim Tebow comparisons. I think those are the two ranges of outcomes for Will Levis, which are very drastically different, but he can, if you watched on his pro day, I mean, he can bomb throws down the field. He has got incredible arm strength and he is at six three two thirty two, stands tall and stands big and plays big in the pocket. So the question is if he's going to be able to come in there and be consistent and to be able to make good consistent throws and not just chuck it up deep every time and throw interceptions. The accuracy is also somewhat of a concern. I mean, he can throw it far, but not necessarily far and just some lasers into his guy's hands. He's not like, so the next Patrick Mahomes in terms of arm strength. So it'll, again, that'll be a concern if he's forcing throws into tight windows and throwing picks because he's not as accurate as some of the other guys. That's definitely a possibility. And there is that bust possibility. And I think that's why a lot of a lot of people love to hate on him is to say that he looks like he's just going to come in there and be a huge bust. I think there's a very big risk. And that's one. This is one where it's so polarizing that it really needs to come down to draft capital before I make an evaluation. Obviously, NFL teams are wrong all the time. But to, if Will Levis was like a top 10 pick, that changes my evaluation on him versus if he slipped into the second round. Because then that still shows that teams are doubting him enough to be worried about his potential interception ratio and his accuracy heading into the NFL and if he's a second round pick that doesn't show a lot of commitment for him and that makes me worried about him for dynasty fantasy football and drafting him pretty highly but a guy like Anthony Richardson I think he's more worth the risk because he's got that rushing floor Levis it's not like he can't run but he's not like a dual threat QB either and so that's why I mean I would like Anthony Richardson much better than Will Levis for fantasy at this point even if I didn't for real life which I think Richardson still is slightly ahead in for me in real life Number five QB. This guy's really interesting. He tore his ACL, got hurt from the volunteers, but he really was a rising star at Tennessee and he had Jalen Hyatt as well. But Hendon Hooker is the quarterback five ranked here on Fox Sports. Um, he also at Tennessee, he got the ball out quickly, but the offense was also not, arguably not as complicated as one he'll see in an NFL scheme. He definitely um, was able to 
make the right decisions though on a lot of those plays. And he went deep to Dale and Hyatt when he needed to on street routes. When Hyatt was getting open and having those 200 plus yard games, Hendon Hooker got it to him consistently. He looked really, really solid. And that's why he's a rising star now. I, the ACL is going to drop him on the list a little bit, but if it wasn't for the ACL, it could have easily been a first round pick. Might now be a day two guy or day three guy. And uh, I mean, maybe maybe he wouldn't have been a first round pick, even if, if he hadn't torn his ACL. It all depends on the college football playoff run he made. But I think he would have easily locked himself into maybe the second round had he continued to stay healthy. But that's going to be an issue. And of course, again, with a good offensive line and a good receiving core at Tennessee, it remains to be seen whether Hendon Hooker is truly the real deal. But I think his college production was outstanding enough to where a team's going to take a shot on him. Despite that injury, he's not a guy that I would consider drafting right away in fantasy unless the draft capital's there. Because if he's drafted in like the fourth round, it doesn't seem like he's going to start anywhere right away. But maybe third or second round, gave him a look. In Dynasty, he gets a look either way. So that's the top five. Other than that, I'll talk about all these other guys briefly. Tanner McKee out of Stanford is ranked number six on Fox Sports. Got a lot of arm talent. He's more of a late-round flyer. DTR, or actually, first I'll start with Clayton Toon from Houston. I, I've actually watched a good bit of Clayton Toon, and I feel like he plays like a really good veteran. Like He doesn't make a lot of mistakes at Houston. Had some good weapons there but was just very, very consistent and very methodical in leading a lot of drives. Wasn't necessarily the big flashy player, but he can be very, very good at just steadying a team. I think he'll be a good backup in the league. DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA. This guy is so exciting to watch. He is, might even be faster than Anthony Richardson in game speed because he can, I mean, he's so quick. He's got that potential to be the next Michael Vick just because of how fast he is and how, how much of a dual threat guy he is. But arguably he's not as good through the air. He's only 191 pounds, so even lighter than Bryce Young and... The knocks on him are majorly as a passer, which, of course, I mean, he, Anthony Richardson has a lot more of that passing ability than DTR might. But, I mean, that's a guy who relied very, very heavily on his legs and his rushing ability at UCLA. I don't know if the passing will be able to translate enough for even a consistent quarterback role. So that's the the worry. But some team's going to take a shot on him for sure just because that, I mean, if you can fix him in the passing game, his rushing ability makes him incredible and he could be potentially really good jake hayner out of fresno state i didn't really watch fresno state football this year but he earned lots of accolades senior bowl mvp was very very good um overall and just um i'm probably gonna fall into the late round the last guy on here is stetson bennett and i mean if you want a guy who looked very very solid while also just running an incredibly loaded offense with weapons such as Brock Bowers at tight end and all these other guys bennett is that guy he's 5 foot 11 he's been a backup qb his whole life always scrapping always competing climbing uphill winning national championships and the cool story but is he an nfl qb probably not he's really good at checkdowns he's very aware and he's able to get the ball to his receivers in open space and not make very many mistakes. I mean, he's not an incredible um he's not an incredible guy through the air in terms of going deep or just ball placement necessarily, but he's a smart player who makes a lot of decisions a lot like Tom Brady in that way. I'm not going to I'm not saying he's the next Tom Brady or anything, but you could compare him to pre-draft Tom Brady in terms of a guy who it's like doesn't really wow you at all with physical characteristics but makes a lot of the right plays but he'll probably go as a late pick given the fact that he's not he's not the most accurate guy. He's not 
Mr. Deep Ball, Mr. Big Plays. He would probably need to be surrounded with a lot of guys to succeed He because he was put in the best position possible at Georgia. I want to see him succeed, and I'm glad he's going to be drafted, but it'll probably be in the later rounds. So that wraps up those quarterbacks, and that wraps up the show. I think there's going to be around four guys from quarterback, maybe five, who are relevant in fantasy football and dynasty fantasy football going forward, but or at least very relevant. But thank you all for tuning in. I hope this helped. Again, we'll get more fan- landing spot analysis as we get out of the draft. I think there's probably going to be four quarterbacks that go in the first round between Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson. But after the draft comes, we will have so much more to talk about with landing spots and fantasy value and dynasty rankings. And next week, next Monday, hopefully, we'll have, excuse me, the RB preview episode. Lots of good RBs to talk about. Highlighted by my boy, Bijan Robinson from Texas, which I'm a fan of. Watched a lot of him. Very excited to see what he's going to do in the NFL. If you want that next workhorse RB, Bijan Robinson is probably going to be it. He is a fun, fun prospect. But that wraps up the rookie QBs. Do have a pretty good rookie QB class this year. It's not very deep, I've heard a lot of people saying, but it's very, very good at the top. And there's a number of guys who could be franchise quarterbacks going forward. Thank you all for tuning in. Fun episode. Good to be back. I'll see you all next time.